This is a, t a good time to be alive. If you don't feel that way, you've been listening to the wrong report. I said, this is a good time to be alive. And uh, we've been in a series for the last several weeks called, What Are You Thinking? Look at your neighbor and say, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Today I'm going to finish that series and I'm going to preach a message called Mind Blown. How many know God is able to blow your mind? Ephesians chapter 3 verse, now I don't know if somebody caught that. Let me try that again. Look at your neighbor and say, hey neighbor, God is going to blow your mind. They acted religious, so look at your other neighbor and tell your other neighbor, Hey neighbor, God is going to blow your mind. Somebody just throw your hands up because you can't get nobody to help you and say, God, blow my mind. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now, not tomorrow, now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works in us. Next verse. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and forever. Amen. Mind blown. God, blow our minds. Amen. You can be seated. So we've been talking for the last several weeks about our thought life and our thinking. We talked about the power of what we think. I remember the first sermon of the series about the centurion who thought differently about Jesus than the rest of people in Nazareth. Nazareth said, this is just a carpenter's son, but the centurion said, this is the son of God who has power, and if he says it, he don't even have to come to my house. If he says it, then his word will accomplish the healing I need for my servant. Those words were the product of thoughts because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth does what? Speaks. And we have been talking about thinking, and the week after that, we talked about transforming our thinking because sometimes our thought life gets trapped in a state of what we call stinking thinking. And when you get in a place of stinking thinking, then your mind actually becomes the enemy of your life. If your thought life stinks, then your life will often follow that because as a man or woman thinks in their heart, so they are. It is important what you think about God and what you think about your life. If your mind is a sewer, if your mind is a garbage can for the enemy to throw stuff in it, then how many know it will lead to the kind of life 
that is a life of defeat and a life of hopelessness and a life of depression. And I really believe God is trying to zero in on our thinking in this season because there is such an assault of the enemy against the way we think. The enemy is trying to shape the narrative that is going on in our mind. And if you keep watching the content of this world, if you keep watching what the world has to say, what the enemy has to say, um, then I want you to understand you can't listen to the report of the enemy and live in the promised land. There is a reason why the original Israelite um, family did not get to go into the promised land. It is because they listened to the 12 negative spies instead of the two spies with a renewed mind. Ten spies said, the land is beautiful, the land is flowing with milk and honey, the land is amazing, Only, uh, 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 but, but there are giants in that land and we are grasshoppers in our sight. And Caleb and Joshua said, I don't know what y'all are talking about. They're, they're giants in the land, but God told us the land belonged to us and we believe we can have the land because it belongs to us. The question is not how big are the giants on your land. The question is why are they standing there in the first place? That land belongs to you and I in the name of the Lord. And if you listen to the report of the spies, the ten negative spies will poison your faith and will cause you to wonder in unbelief what was to be a few days trip through the wilderness become a 40-year sentence because of an evil heart of unbelief. What you listen to is very important. You have two gates primarily into your soul. Lay your hands on your eyes. Say, eye gate. Put your hand on your ears. Say, ear gate. You have two gates into your soul. What you feed your eyes and listen to with your ears will determine what gets in here. And what gets in here will determine the kind of thoughts you live. And the thoughts you live will determine the kind of life you live. I, I told this dream, I preached Friday night um, for a friend of mine in Louisville. And I've shared this dream before, but I haven't shared it in a while. I don't have dreams. Devin has dreams all the time, but, but I had a dream six Seven years ago, it's best I can't remember. I can't find it in my journal, but I know I had the dream. And in the dream, I've told this story before, this dream before I was walking through my house. I walked into my bedroom, and there were three what looked like um, uh, terrorists up to no good laying in my bed. All of them had guns, sleeping with guns. And I thought, they're in my house. Now, I don't know how you feel about the Second Amendment, Amendment but I believe in it. Well, I don't believe in it, Pastor. I believe you ought to trust God. David trusted God and carried a slingshot and rock. I trust in God and carry a Smith and Wesson. Hallelujah. Why? Because I have four precious children and a wife, and I'm going to protect my family from people who are demon-possessed trying to bring harm. Amen. In the dream, they were in my home. And they came to do harm, but they were asleep in my bed, three of them. I tiptoed around the edge of my bed to go to my closet where my gun was. And in the dream, when I passed, I'm going somewhere, hang on to me. When I passed a black and white television up on this little mantle, I don't have a television like that, but, but the, the dream was prophetic. When I passed the television, I was walking on my tiptoes, trying not to wake these, uh, the, these terrorists up. And when I passed the television... The black and white TV turned on on its own accord, 
and Ted Koppel. Does anyone remember Ted Koppel? Ted Koppel said, good evening, America. This is your news for the evening. And when he began to talk, it woke up the three terrorist spirits. They pulled the covers back, pulled up a gun. I had gotten my gun by that point. We pointed our guns at each other, and I woke up, and I said, God, what was that about? And the Lord said to me, Kevin, there will come a time when the news media in America will be used and inspired by the enemy to wake up spirits of terrorism, hate, and anarchy. Now, I want you to hear me tell you this right now. I am not talking to you about your favorite news station. I don't care what your favorite news station is. All of them that are not born again, filled with Jesus' presence by the Holy Ghost, are susceptible to demon spirits in this moment. And they do not care about the future of your children or mine or America. They care about one thing, ratings and dollars. Y'all don't have to say amen, but you better hear what I'm telling you today. There is a demonic, diabolical spirit at work in America that is trying to divide, to destroy, to bring harm, to bring hate. It is demon spirits, and if we keep feeding ourselves that and not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we are going to continue to be inundated with hopelessness regarding how we feel about tomorrow. But I want you to know I read the back of the book and nobody's on TV talking about it. So I think I'll stand up and preach about it today. We're going to win. Greater is he that is in me and you than the one that's in the world. I need somebody to praise him or something. This mess with the saints laying down and losing hope and not praying and hiding in a cave. Baby, this is not going to end with me and you in a cave hiding from the Antichrist and spiders the size of Volkswagen carrying people off into the wilderness. The devil is a liar. This is going to end with a triumphant church and a resurrected bride that have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I feel like preaching in here today. Watch what you feed yourself. Now unto him. Getting excited here. Now unto him. Now unto him. It's not a delayed gospel. It's a now gospel. It's not just a future gospel. It's a nasty now promise. I'm not just waiting with some carrot dragging us on a string. He's not a tormenting God who just keeps baiting his people. Now, I thought I read a scripture in Hebrews that said, now faith is the substance of, well, one day in the good old by and by, we're going to find joy. Now faith is the substance of things. Oh, God, I wish you could feel what I feel right now. I feel now faith on the inside of me. I don't feel a faith that's just drawing me on and maybe one day, someday, somehow I find victory. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Don't miss this. For by 
faith the elders obtained a good report. How can I believe a good report in the generation that I'm living? You live with now faith and you say in spite of hell breaking loose, there is still a God who sits on a holy throne and when the kings of this world conspire to destroy his righteous, Jehovah sits and laughs at the plans of man because at the end of the day all things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. Now unto him who is able to do. This is interesting. This is one of the most powerful scriptures I think in all the New Testament. Now to him who is able. That sounds like he can, but we're not sure if he will. That's not what the text is saying in the Greek, the word unto him who is able. That phrase, he who is able, is actually one verb. It is the Greek word dynamai. It's where we get the noun dunamis. Do you know what dynamai and dunamis are? It's where we get the English word dynamite. This isn't some puny, limp-wristed God who is waiting for someone to give him orders or somehow answering to the ways of man. This is a God who is immutable. You know what that word means? Immutable means he don't need you or me. You didn't vote him in. Well, we live in a democracy. Well, he don't. He lives in a kingdom. And the kingdom doesn't have an appointed or voted or elected leader. It has a leader who established the kingdom based upon his own authority. God, I feel like preaching today. This God is not taking orders from any man. This God is not sitting up at night rubbing his forehead, twiddling his thumbs, popping Prozac because he's a tad nervous. Oh my God, this God that we serve is a God who has all power. He is the potter and we are the clay. He is the master and we are the ones who take orders from him. The powerful God who has the dynamite. He actually has the dunamis which gives him the authority to demonstrate this power, this ability. Unto him who is able to do. We don't serve a do-nothing God. We serve a God who gets the job done. What he starts, he finishes it. Now that's not like me. You come to my house, to Devin's demise, there are unfinished jobs with the fingerprints of Kevin all over them. What is that supposed to be? 
It's not finished yet. Come back next week. Hallelujah. That's, listen, can I tell you something? God is a God who has the power to get the job done. When he starts a job, he finishes the job. When he makes a promise, he has the power to bring it to pass. When God says something to Abraham, he doesn't tell Abraham that I'm going to give you a son and then give him all the details. He says, I'm going to give you a son and then I'm going to make you wait 26 years. We don't want that information. Who wants to know you're going to have a son but have to wait 26 years? God just makes a promise and then shows you over time that he has the power to finish what he started. And there are some people in this room today having a nervous breakdown over if God is going to do what he said he would do in your life. And the problem that is leading you to feel like that he may not get the job done is that he hasn't done it in the time you thought he should get it done in. But I want to tell you that God makes a promise here and already stands at the end of this thing and sees it completed. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I know that if he ever said it, heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. And if God's got to put you on life support to finish the job, he will do everything he said he would do in his own purpose. Perfect time. He has the power to do it. Look at your neighbor telling him he's got the power to do it. But what I'm getting ready to talk about is almost incomprehensible. It's a bit more than I can take in my feeble mind, as Betty Johnson would say. I'll never forget preaching one Sunday, and I was preaching, and Mother Betty, who's now in heaven, bless her soul, was sitting on the second row, and I was talking about people who continually walk in cycles of defeat, and I heard her say in the middle of my sermon, louder than anything she's ever said before in church, she said, Lord, bless their feeble minds. (laughs) This is more than my feeble mind can comprehend. Paul says now. Paul says to him who is able. Paul says he's able to do. All of that is amazing. What I am getting ready to share with you in the next few moments is almost incomprehensible. Unto him who is able, I feel the Holy Ghost, to do exceeding abundantly above those Greek words are hyper, H-Y-P-E-R, ek, E-K, hyper. Hyper, ek, hyper. Some of y'all are like, why do you tell us that? Because I want to. It feels good. Exceeding abundantly above. How many have an understanding of what hyper is? How many have children? How many have hyper-ek, hyper-children? What does hyper mean? It means you and I have an amount of energy, a certain amount. How many have ever met someone you say, I wish I could bottle up? 
the energy that child has and sell it. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Hyper, ek, hyper. When he says exceeding abundantly above, he's saying most of us live in this land of a place called natural and normal. But there is a God who is able to do hyper, ek, hyper. It's not just normal. I feel the Lord. It's not just natural. He is able. He is hyper. He is above. He is greater. He is doing exceeding abundantly above all. Hyper, ek, hyper. Above all that we could ask or think. You would almost think this kind of phrase is too much to be in the Bible. But I'm glad he put it in there because it removes the lid and the limits that religion often lay on our life. How many have ever felt like religion and life tried to put a lid and a limit on you? Can I share with you that most lids and limitations you and I have didn't come from the world? They came from well-meaning church people who said things that sounded good but weren't in the Bible. Oh, Lord. But God is able to do exceeding abundantly, hyper, ek, hyper, exceeding abundantly above all. We could ask or think. I'll never forget the Sunday morning before church 20 years ago, 19 years ago, something like this. I was in my office on my face praying before I went out to preach, begging God to help me preach, asking the Lord for an anointing and a grace to speak his word. And out of nowhere, I heard the precious spirit of God say to me, Kevin, what would you do if lack were not your problem? I was stunned. I was shocked. All of my life, I've been talking about a little God on a little corner doing little things. Now God says, what would you do for me if lack were not your problem? Because lack is not your problem, Kevin. I was overcome by the presence of God in that moment. I was overwhelmed by the goodness of God in that moment. That wasn't an invitation to talk about the gold. It was a reminder that if, that if you ever come after the glory, God will always take care of the gold. God will always take care of the provision. And sometimes in the church, even in the pew, we get it backwards. We want the money and the house and the job, but that's not how the kingdom works. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding Abundantly above all. You could ask or think. There's a scripture over in James that says you have not because you ask not. I want to ask you a question for rhetorical observation today. How many of you need God or want God to do something but you haven't asked him for it yet? 
I'm trying. That's my buddy. He knows I'm messing with him. How many, how many of you need God or want God to do something for you right now, but you haven't asked him for it yet? I'm going I'm, I'm to mess with you. How many, have, how many have a house mortgage? Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Devin and I have one. Lift your hand. How many have ever asked God to pay it off early? A third of the people. Why don't we ask God to pay our debts off? Help us to have a strategy and a supernatural wisdom and blessing by which we can be debt free. Well, I just assume he wanted me to be in debt for the rest of my life. Is that in your Bible? I'm trying to mess with you and provoke you to a place of asking. How many of you have children that were raised in church but are away from God and you have been consigned to believe they'll never accomplish what God promised you over their life because of how jacked up and messed up their life is. And they're so messed up and jacked up, you've even almost stopped praying because of how dark it got. God wants you to ask. If God wants you and I to ask, I think there are reasons why he would have us ask him. Because I think he wants us to be sure and clear that when the answer comes, we know where it came from. If he did it and it wasn't a part of what we asked him for, there's no foundation from which he can begin. It's not that he just wants to do what you're asking him for. He just wants to start somewhere. And you are the one that starts the party. But I want to tell you, if you don't ask, the journey never begins. I also want to encourage you, if you do ask, get ready for him to blow your mind. How is he going to blow my mind? Because he's not just going to do what you ask. I feel faith rising over here. He's going to do above all you can ask. Why don't people ask? I will tell you why. Because religion has conditioned us to take a ticket and wait our turn. And when it gets to be your turn, you're probably going to get less than what you've been standing in line for. How many have ever had that encounter before? Bought a ticket, got a ticket, went expecting one thing, got something else. With God... You have to break that process and train of thought off your mind because he doesn't just give you what you stood in line for waiting to get. He'll actually blow your mind and by the time it's your turn, he gives you more than what you thought you were waiting on because he's the God. Well, I don't know if this is in the Bible. You have obviously not read 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The Bible said that God loves a cheerful giver. It says if you want a generous harvest, give generous seed. If you want a scattered, slim harvest, give a slim seed. Watch this. Every time you sow, you reach into your bag. This is how good God is. How many have ever waited on a harvest? 
Come on, lift your hand, don't lie. How many have ever waited on a harvest? You prayed, you gave, you sought, you sowed, and you waited on a harvest. And you waited, and you waited, and you waited, and you waited, and you cried, and you waited, and you walked around in the middle of the night, you rolled in the floor, and you waited, and you, and you waited, and you waited. And the devil whispered in your ear while you were waiting and said, even when it gets here, it ain't going to be like you thought it was. And you waited and you waited. But when your weeping ended and your night came to an end and joy rose up with the rising of the sun in the morning, you walked out into the field where you sowed seed. And instead of getting what you planted, the harvest was greater than the seed that was put into the soil. How does that happen? I'm glad you asked. The Bible said in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, when we sow, there is a nail-scarred hand that reaches into his bag and throws seed on top of our seed. He increases the seed that is sown, which means when we finally get through waiting and harvest time comes, we walk out into a field and reap more than we planted because I serve a God who will bless you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Well, I ain't never seen it like that. That's my sermon. We got to start asking big. He's not El Cheapo. He's El Shaddai. Did anybody feel that? He's not El Chipo. He is El Shaddai. He's not a God who owns a little. He owns the cattle. I feel like I might run down to City Hall and finish this sermon. Hallelujah. He's the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills that the cattle graze upon. I once was young and now I'm old. Never have I seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. I want to tell you right now your heavenly father knows what you need and if you walk into your secret place of prayer and make your petition known in private you close the door behind you have a prayer meeting with God walk out and tell the devil to get under your feet your God owns the cattle your God has all power why are you hollering? Because for years religious spirits have whispered and deafened your ears and mine to believe that God is able. And today I came to cry aloud and spare not and to tell the people of God nothing is impossible for them who believe. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask. Look at your neighbor and say, ask him, ask him, ask him. There's a woman in this room or watching me online right now. You want a baby and the doctor told you you're barren. Ask God to open. Ask God to open your womb. What was that? That was Tongues. Why? Because the Holy Ghost just said something in the spirit that somebody caught by faith. Why is he talking in tongues? I don't understand because I'm not talking to you. <laughs> he that speaketh in an unknown tongue does not speak unto man but unto God. 
Why did those ladies fall in the floor? It's real simple. The power of God hit their body and they couldn't stand up anymore. If it hits your body, you might fall out too. It's a miracle you don't explode. He's able to do above. Why is it important that we ask? Because asking starts the journey. But he's going to do more than you can ask. Which means if you don't ask, you never get to the abundantly more part. But this next word, and I'm through in a moment here, this next word freaks me out. Above all, you can ask or think. I've thought some really big thoughts. Anybody else? I mean, I got some really big dreams that I feel like came from God. But God doesn't just do what I thought he might do. He does exceeding abundantly above all I could ask or think. This this word think is a unique word. It means that a person actually has an understanding of something. So what this literally means is God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you ask or what you thought you understood he was going to do. (laughs) How many ever thought you understood what God was up to? And by the time he got through with it, you were like, That ain't what I thought he was going to do. Time out. Cut all that out of the video over television, please. (sighs) Everybody smile. (laughs) Come on, I'm the one bleeding, not you. Smile, it's okay. Right? All right. Here we go. God often starts something, and you often think you know what he's up to. But by the time he finishes what he started, you find out he was up to something greater than what you thought you understood How many have ever had someone leave you at a real critical season in your life and you thought, I can't do this without them? And after they leave you and a year after God gets through with the situation, you look back and say, man, I stayed up for nothing. I cried in vain. 
God was actually pruning and purging my life of something that was hindering what I thought he was up to. And it's not that he wasn't up to it. It's that, that I didn't understand how big it could be. And I didn't understand that the people he was removing from my life were actually making room for people I needed to, oh, come on in here, somebody. You got to learn how to trust God. I need you to touch your neighbor, holler at him, give him an air high five do something. Tell your neighbor, say, you better trust God. If they leave you, it's only because God is getting ready to send some very critical components of your story into your life. And as long as you keep relationships that are over on life support, you are delaying your destiny and you are frustrating God's purpose. And like Elsa told Anna, let it go. You gotta release some stuff. You gotta let it go and say, God, if I needed them, you would have let them stay. Those who could not stay had to leave. And those who could not leave had to stay because he who has begun a good work will finish what he started. I thought I understood what God was up to. I got a giant that needs to be killed. I thought I understood God would have to raise up a valiant, strapping, tall warrior. But instead, he sent a little shepherd boy. Why? Because God was getting ready to blow Israel's mind. Yes. Had he used a giant like Saul to fight a giant like Goliath, then they might have gotten confused to who to give the glory for. But when God raises up a little shepherd boy armed only with a sling and God delivers a nation through a shepherd boy, everybody understands. I thought I understood how God was going to give Israel victory, but God did something I wasn't expecting and he used somebody I didn't think he could use because he takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. When I have a tax bill to pay. Some of y'all are like, yes, Lord. I thought money would fall down from heaven to pay bills. But instead, God says, go fishing. Well, I don't want to go fishing. I got bills to pay. I know. Go fishing, Peter. Well, I don't understand how me going fishing can pay my bills. You don't always understand. Just obey. So they pick up the rod, and they get the reel, and they get the tackle box, and they run down to the sea, and they throw it out, and the first fish he catches comes in. He said, open up your mouth, and the fish went, ah, and in the mouth of the fish, a coin, enough money to pay the tax bill. Why? Because God is going to blow your mind. He's not going to let money float down out of heaven. He's going to connect your blessing to a series of opportunities in which if you obey the whisper of God and just get your rod and reel and get to the water, you don't have to worry about the bill. Just catch the fish and the fish will pay the bill because God will blow your mind. Can I give you one more? When the world needed a savior... Let us have a strong military man full of might and 
power and strength. But instead, we get a meek, loving, gentle Jesus. Why? Because God takes the foolish things of this world to blow the minds of the wise. What is your point? I know you think laying up at night has you thinking you understand what God is up to. But he sent me today to tell you you don't know what he's up to. It's actually bigger and greater and will happen in a different way than what you thought. I was riding to Nashville. Brian started playing. I started landing. I was riding to Nashville, this, uh, to Louisville. We were on our way to Nashville. I was talking to some of the guys, and one of them asked me the question. When you started 21 years ago with 34 people, did you see all this? Nope, I didn't. I had a vision for something big for God, but I didn't see all this. I didn't understand what God was doing as he connected the dots. Oh, come on, can I talk about connecting the dots for just a minute? How many ever had one of them coloring books? Come on in here, don't lie. Come on, I look like a fool if you, if you don't talk to me. Uh -huh. How many ever had a coloring book, but it didn't have the shapes, and it didn't have the things with the lines. You know, it could be, it could be a bird, it could be, it could be Bart Simpson, it could be, it could be whatever the coloring book wanted it to be. It was just numbers and dots. You could have colored it in had you saw the lines, but there were no lines. There was just number one, and then number two, and then Number three, and in order for the lines to be drawn so that the color could be filled in, you just had to take a pen and start with number one and connect the dot to number two and connect the dot to number three and connect the dot to number four and meet that person and meet that person and go to that school to get that job, to meet that young lady, or to meet that young man, so that you could get married, y'all not following me, and then you gonna have some children at dot number 13, not 13 children, just a child at number 13, come on. And you just keep drawing the lines in between the dots, and what you don't know is that there is a master painter who stands up in heaven, and he calls you his masterpiece, and he started on dot number one, and he got it to dot number two, and he connected it to dot number three, and you didn't see it, dot number three, that he was hooking you up all the way down the line. And today there's somebody in here nervous about your future, but God told me to tell you, the steps, not the leaps. Y'all missed it? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You can't see what he's up to. But I need you to start trusting him. And even when you think you understand what he's up to, it's exceeding abundantly. Come on, stand with me. It's exceeding abundantly above.